everyone, what is up? My name is Elissa and welcome back to Holy Human, the show where we talk about life, death, and all topics in between through the eyes of, you guessed it, a human. Today I am here with Blake and Delaney, who are some of my friends, but are also fellow creators because today we are talking about the balance between listening to your fans, but also keeping your content the way that you want it to be. Should we listen to criticism? That's what we're talking about in today's episode of Holy Human. So if you're interested, keep on listening. So the first thing I want to do on this episode is introduce my guests. So first, Delaney, introduce yourself. Howdy, I'm Delaney Amsler, and I am a professional bullshitter. I do everything under the rainbow. And Blake, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Blake. Uh, I'm a musician. Uh, I've been playing and writing music for over eight years. Eight years. I am an actor. Used to be a voice actor. Sucked at it, so I don't do that anymore. <laughs> awesome. And so... These two I had on this particular episode of the podcast because they are both creators, like Blake was saying. Delaney, can you explain to the audience what you do as well? Um, I run a mental health podcast uh, by the mentally ill for the mentally ill that helps with doing tasks. And um, I do a lot of writing, a lot of art, you know, everything. And at the end of this episode, they will be able to plug whatever social media account they have and what their projects will be in the future. So you'll get to hear that. But first, let me talk about the inspiration for this particular episode of the podcast. Because I, like many others, and maybe like you two, have watched and binged Shane Dawson's newest series on Jake Paul. It's called In the Mind of Jake Paul. And the reason I bring this up is because that particular documentary series that Shane did was very controversial with his audience. If you don't know, Jake Paul is someone that has been in the media in not the best of light as well as his brother Logan Paul. And so when Shane decided to do this docu-series, his fans were really against it. And when he started making the series, which uh, kind of talked about sociopaths, he for whatever reason, made it somewhat of a horror film type of feel, and his audience didn't like that very much. And the reason I bring that up is because today we're talking about the balance between what your audience wants and what you want with your content. So my first question for you two and for us to discuss is, why do you create things in the first place? What is your motive if you have one? That's a loaded question. <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, well, why I started creating things originally was because I was just interested in it at a very young age. Um, I remember when I was at the age of two, I would say, I wanted to be a film director for like really highbrow films. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to direct like the next, um, I guess I wanted to direct the next... I don't know. Big films. Big like film. Avengers. Yeah, like Avengers or maybe the next Watchmen or something like that. Because, like, the Watchmen movie was pretty good. Mm -hmm. I preferred a graphic novel, but whatever. <laughs> um, you know, um, I guess I just started creating because I was searching for an outlet. And I still use it as an outlet to this day, but, you know, since I'm, you know, trying to expand a bit more, I have different avenues for mm -hmm. what I want to do. Yeah. What about you? Um, I definitely create things so that people know, um, like, 
everything I do is because I already know this stuff and I want other people to know this stuff so nobody's as confused as I was when I started learning it. Um, like, uh, I'm a lesbian, so cool. entering the lesbian culture, you know, you kind of don't know anything and everything's so confusing, you don't know what any of the terms right. mean, so it's so helpful to see those, like, master lists of everything you need to know, and, mm-hmm. like, um, it's so confusing just to be a human, like your podcast. Yeah. Um, quick plug. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's so confusing to be a human, and I kind of want to help people know everything there is to be know about the world if I already know it you know because people need to listen to each other yeah um the reason I decided to create and this is funny for people who know me in real life I my mind goes in so many different directions when it comes to creativity Mm -hmm. for example I'm a theater kid and I direct things but also I was a I liked to write for a while and now I'm doing this podcast and I have a YouTube channel and I'm just doing a whole lot and so it's hard for me to dedicate myself to different things But the reason I created, I don't necessarily have, like, an answer for that question. Mm -hmm. I like creating things, and I really want to create something that I'm passionate about, and so I'm still trying to find that. But as for that question, I don't really have an answer, and I don't know if everyone does. I think sometimes we're just compelled to do something for whatever reason. It's kind of nature, I guess. So yeah. you just kind of want to broadcast Alyssa Maudlin out into the world right. and kind of be like, do what you will. Sure. So my next question would be, how much do you trust yourself when it comes to creating things? Because right now in this particular section of the podcast, we're talking about inside a creator's mind. Because when mm-hmm. we can understand a creator and how they think, we can better discuss this. And so as creators, do you trust yourself when it comes to your work and how how do you go about creating things Um, it's a hard question (laughs) it it is a very hard question and I don't think I've ever really had to answer a question like this before so Mm -hmm. thank you for asking you're welcome (laughs) I just I want to know your process when Mm -hmm. it comes to creating like do were you scared to put something out there that was yours terrified (laughs) talk to me about that um so well, one thing you wanted to I want to get out there is that I've only recently in the past year started to record mm-hmm. songs and stuff like mm-hmm. that, but I have been writing for, you know, performing on stage mm-hmm. for years, for about up until I was like eight. You know, mm-hmm. I, I've always wanted to be like a songwriter. I wanted to be in so many, so many different things. At one point in time, I tried to start a YouTube channel twice. Once it was bad. The second one, it just got worse. <laughs> so it's, I, ha- I have two others still that I still access every now and then. One is just for uh, shit posts and stuff like that. Right. Another one mm-hmm. is just like for um, different creative outlets and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to putting your work out there, what kind of feelings like go through you? Like, are you afraid? Are you proud? What do you think? Mm, well, I am. I am. I, w- I would definitely say I was. I was very afraid the first few times. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a very shy kid. I'm still a very shy kid. I'm now learning. I'm, I'm a learned extrovert nowadays. Mm-hmm. I was probably the most introverted introvert you probably would have ever met if you talked <laughs> to me like two years ago. Um, but yeah, everything was just seen 
really scary, very daunting to um, express myself creatively in any sort of field because it puts you in a very vulnerable state. And, you know, you're up for critique. You're up for people, you know, hating on you, railing on you for releasing something out to the public that you want release. Or you're garnered for a lot of praise, potential praise, this or that. And luckily, I'm grateful to have, like, neither of them really shift me one way or another. That's good. Mm -hmm. And what about you, Delaney? I kind of trust myself to a fault. Um, Okay. So, like, I don't trust that everything I make is going to be good, but I trust myself to make it. That's um, Yeah, so my general philosophy is that in two weeks, it's going to be done with what will I have done by then. Mm-hmm. So, um, in two weeks, everything is going to end that happened in that two weeks. Um, so, my kind of thing is, do I want it out there? Yes, make it. Um, and is it going to be bad? Yes, probably. Am I still going to make it? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I don't, like, put myself out there on the line like Blake does. Because, um, like, I don't do, like, the musical process. And everything that I write is heavily edited because I'm an editor. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't have to put my feelings out there like that. Like, I would be horrified to do that. But, like, with the stuff that I do do, like, it's just this sort of thing where I'm going to do it. And I'm a smart kid, so I know that, like, I will be able to do it and make it the best that I can with whatever I ended up producing, like mm-hmm. editing and stuff like that. Um, but I know that I will make it, and if it's going to be bad, yes, that's fine. And if people say bad things about it, that means I made a bad thing. And, like, I have to take responsibility for that. So you were saying that you don't really put yourself into your art. Do you think that all art has remnants of the person who created it, or do you think you can make art without being associated with it really at all. Yeah, I think art absolutely, like, has to have a piece of you in it. So then I know that everything I make definitely has my voice in it, but I'm not, like, here are my innermost deep thoughts about death or, like, you know, here's what I think about myself, you know. It's not, like, this sort of thing of where I'm being necessarily vulnerable, like, in, um, like, music and, um, like, quickly produced writing, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of a highly edited version of myself that's not, like, letting too much go, you know, so there's always more to talk about. I see. So, for me, personally, I, when I'm creating stuff, I'm always back and forth with not so much scared of what people are going to think of it, Mm -hmm. but making sure that, like, everything I say is 100% the truth, because I tend to worry about stuff like that, and that I'm making Mm -hmm. it for the right reasons, and why am I making it, and all of that type of stuff, but one thing I would ask is, why do you think creators, some creators, are so afraid to be vulnerable and put themselves out there. Like, why do we have this fear complex somewhat about art? Mm. Well, hmm. I guess I could imagine, like, you know, piggybacking off what Delaney said, um, you know, your art, even to, like, the smallest degree, you know, has a part of you in there. And in a way, you are putting yourself out there. You are putting your personality you're putting everything else out there so when you know you're being critiqued for your craft for your video for your essay 
for the song you write or a skit you performed or anything like that, it it almost like by default feels very personal. Like you're critiquing that person rather yeah. than the art. Mm -hmm. And so it can always be a bit daunting for almost anybody in any field or any craft, even in and outside of art. Yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah, for a big thing with me is being selfish. Like I'm really scared of being selfish. It's because yeah. it was something I've been taught my entire life that you don't want to be. Like that was my family's biggest moral mm -hmm. philosophy was don't be selfish. Yeah. Um, and so like it kind of feels like, like I know that it's different for every person, but I feel like if I put too much of myself in there, it's kind of like wow, are they going to hate the fact that I did that? So it's not only oh, it's not only just adding in, like, you know, I'm scared what they'll think of what I did. It's also I'm scared what they'll think of the process of what I did. I'm scared that, like, they'll be upset that I said anything about myself, you know, that it wasn't, like, implicit. So, like, it kind of ranges between creator to creator what that fear is, but there's always that fear somewhere within everyone. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, and you kind of already touched on this, but my next question would be, are you confident in your abilities as a creator? You laugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? Um, just because, like, if I make a bad thing, I make a bad thing and I learn from it. You know, like, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't, like, I get the people, like, I absolutely understand being, like, you know, like, whatever I make isn't good, you know, I'm worried about it. You know, like, that's a completely valid way to feel, but um, for me, it's, you know, it's kind of like, well, I made a bad thing. What up? Own up to it, you know? Um, I made a bad thing. Make a better thing. Yeah. Um, so, like, I hope that my things are bad because otherwise I can't learn from them. So, like, it always really excited me whenever I got, like, a C on an English project. Like, that means I can get better. Did you always have that philosophy or did you grow into it with more failure? Mm, grew into it. I hated failure when I was a kid. It was the worst thing that could ever happen to me was if I failed at anything. Because, like, I'm expected to be a 4.0 student. Like, I have such high expectations of me. So it's kind of like this thing of if I fail, it's awful. But then it's kind of got to this point where, you know, like, I got to this point. I want to start failing so I can get to a better point. Because I'm kind of, I don't want to stop. Mm -hmm. You know? And you have to go down first. Do you remember what that turning point was for you? Um, I think, okay like, I think, like, sophomore year? I don't know. Um, it was just this kind of thing of where I started talking to people about my feelings. And I started, like, letting people in. And I started learning what failure meant. Like, I failed like my first math test that year and like that was awesome that was so cool mm -hmm. um I hate failing it but like after that it was kind of like it's math I don't care about math mm -hmm. but like now I know what it feels like and it's not that bad because I earned that you know yeah um so I think it just this kind of point of where like you have to kind of at least I did I hit like you have pretty, to experience it yeah I hit I hit a bad point and then I was like, I love it. Yeah. Like bungee jumping. So, Blake, <laughs> do you trust yourself as a creator? Nope. No? Talk to me about that. <laughs> um, even for about as long as I've been doing just music outside of everything else I do, I still second-guess myself all the time. Every, every single moment. And even the stuff I'm doing 
on my own outside of the band I'm in and the groups I've been in mm-hmm. with without my friends and just with random strangers I make electronic music electronic based stuff right mm-hmm. so that requires a lot of editing so there's no real rush to improvise everything to craft certain sounds or this or that but for whatever reason it just gets to my head and I just stop what I'm doing and I don't pick up on that project for months almost a year or mm-hmm multiple years on end and I would never pick pick it back up again and it's just that me always second guessing myself in not just everything else I do but also the stuff I genuinely enjoy doing and it's kind of a shame because there's not that many things I do genuinely enjoy doing yeah so you may have already kind of touched on this but I missed it what makes you feel like less confident and think about it more than like Delaney what makes you second guess yourself when it comes to creating stuff mm-hmm. well hmm. do you know because sometimes you don't have answers to things sometimes it just happens maybe it just won't sound as great as the next guy or maybe I won't you know be on par with my other friend who is an artist or maybe I won't, you know, maybe my potential for being like, you know, more going again, being going beyond myself, that will never happen. Mm-hmm. So that idea practically cripples me in the creative process, and it it really does suck. And yeah. I never, I don't know. <laughs> so is it more? Would you say influenced? And this is a question for all of us. Is it more influenced by? other people's perception of your art or just in yourself both both most definitely both because the consumer the one listening to the art other than the artist who made it Mm -hmm. their opinion is still valid whatever they have to say about it whether they determine it's good or bad it's all subjective at the end of the day but the point is their opinion is still valid Mm -hmm. and then there goes there there's also you know, the, the intentions that the writer, the creator put into that set product. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, 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 uh, what mind state was that person in? Like, what environment was that person in when they thought about these different things? Mm-hmm. What environment was I in? What environment was anybody in? You know, stuff like that. And I'm glad you brought up the subjectivity of art because that's, Real, that really has to do a lot with what this particular episode is talking about because we're talking about the argument with criticism and do we listen to criticism as artists because going back to the whole Shane Dawson video, he listened to those critiques and morphed it in the way that his audience wanted the videos to be and he got physically ill because of all the stress that all of that put him under And so it made me and lots of other people, I feel like, wonder how much do we alter our art for other people because of the subjectivity of art and such. And so my next question would be, what is good art according to you? When talking about subjectivity, what is that to you? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) That's a big question. Yeah, I don't know. I Like, everyone likes their own stuff like I like really 
wildly detailed things, mm-hmm. you know, and I like things that make sense to me. I think everybody likes something that they relate to on a personal level, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, I like songs if they make sense to me, and I don't like showing them to people because it doesn't make sense to anybody else. And, you know, it's kind of upsetting to hear that whole, I don't get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, I feel like I like things that I relate to on a personal level, and I think that's, like, a really human thing is this whole... I want to be that, and I want to feel that, you know, yeah. um, and so that's what a lot of art is, it's like a, if you could transport an emotion to someone else, right, that's kind of how you do it, um, and so I, I feel like that also ties into, like, why we, like, criticize certain things, because it just doesn't hit the right way, like, mm-hmm. like, Republicans don't like Democrats or whatever, because, like, they, it doesn't, ring true to them you know mm-hmm. and so it's this kind of thing of well that's not me so that can't be anybody you know so a lot of criticism comes from that and then you know a lot of criticism is like that thing was bad you know like you didn't right. put work into it um but I feel like that also ties into it just because we relate to things on a personal level mm-hmm. I mean and it brings up also the question can art even be defined as good is there qualifications mm, well there are certain fundamentals you have to you know take in, you know take into consideration mm-hmm. in different mediums like um, let, let, let's just start like with you know music and stuff like that and like bass production when it comes to electronic music or just any kind of music you know you are making auditory art you are making sound art if mm-hmm the sound, the mixing is garbage, mm-hmm. then by default, <laughs> your sound art just kind of suffers at the hand of, you know, maybe you didn't compress this certain sound right, or this or that, this, that, and the third. And, um, I don't know, what, 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 what do you think, uh, Delaney? Uh, <laughs> what, what do you think? What, what kind of fundamentals do you have to take into consideration doing what you do? Blah. Um, I don't, no. I honestly, I'm kind of one of those people who, for me personally, I like fundamentals. Like, I like music that sounds good or whatever. But also, I feel like as an artist, our job is kind of to break the rules that we see fit, you know? So, and that kind of ties into like controversial art, which is another question I have later on because. It's funny, it seems like the art that doesn't exactly line up with all of the other art in that era or generation is kind of the art that we love. We, in a way, love controversial art, even though it went against everything that it was supposed to go for. And I think that's important to talk about, too, because I don't know if I necessarily believe that good art has to follow fundamentals. Again, that is just me, though, and I know it's different for every person. Yeah. Um, like, I think that creating art is testing the fundamentals, and everybody's kind of prodding at different areas of it and mm-hmm. seeing what they can push back further. Um, what breaks and what doesn't. Yeah, like, Kesha would not be okay in, like, the 1800s. Like, Kesha sure. would be murdered at the stake. Like, <laughs> um, but we just, we kept prodding the 1800 music until we were like, yay, Kesha! Right. So, um... Like, the stuff that I do would not be okay 
when there were cavemen. So, you know, right. it's kind of someday we're going to push art into this little jewel. And it's mm. going to be this one thing. So I'm curious to see what that's going to be like, how far we can push it. But even then, I feel but like people then. will push it and destroy that too. I think that's kind of what we're going to do till the end of time is keep art is pushing. Fake. Like what? <laughs> it's not real. That's another podcast episode. Art is fake. Um, so now we're going to go into the idea of criticism, which we've touched upon, but we're really going to dive in. And I'm going to have you think about your best days and worst days as creators. So get ready. So my first question is, what has been the best input that you've gotten on your art? If you can remember back to that time. Recently, the best input that I ever, the best comment I ever got on a song that I made or a mix that I made is that it blended well in the background. <laughs> that's the best compliment I'll ever I think get. that's a good compliment, but again, I don't do mixing of music, so maybe that isn't. I don't know. Yeah, well, I guess, I guess it just really, you know, depended on that exact song because I had the song called Laser to Laser mm-hmm. where it was like really distorted electric piano. Oh. And different audio samples of like there was a commencement speech for like a liberal arts college, mm-hmm. and then there was like, um, like a really screwed up, and I I kept like hitting the repeat button on this one segment of like a, a like a Red Bull seminar, like Red Bull Academy seminar with a one o tricks point never, mm. so it was just that at the very end, and it sounded super weird. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. I so it, how did that comment? make you feel if you can remember all the way bliss back to that so you okay did it make you want to create more art Mm. or did you want to stop and just bathe in the awesomeness (laughs) that is good comments the truth is i never stop i never stop creating yeah Mm. it's good sometimes sometimes that's a blessing and and a very very tragic curse yeah because if I don't, if I keep going down one row, one path, like if I have one song that everyone seems to like versus another song that I seem to put a lot of my time into that nobody really likes that much, mm-hmm. then I will keep doing the exact same thing and it will just get, you know, repetitive and I'll eventually start hating what I'll do mm-hmm. or hate what I do. So, you know. See, and that's another thing, yeah. pigeonholing in regards to art. How do you guys feel about that? Oof. I might the, have to describe that more. Yeah. Um, what I mean by pigeonholing is when your audience loves a certain type of art that you do a certain type of way, and then you want to do other things, but they're not interested in that. How yeah, how does that work for you? Did Fall Boy or Panic, Panic at the Disco do something like that? Probably. Yeah, I think it's Fall Out Boy. I don't know. I don't follow them necessarily. Maybe not. I just um, <laughs> uh, I don't know I think that a lot of people get stuck in that rut where they're kind of like you know this is this is my brand and everybody keeps wanting this brand and that's what I'm known for so I don't know if I can make anything else mm-hmm. um, and that's like a really scary place to be where you stop owning your art like right. it's something that you know that you love like cause that used to be your brand you know it's very close to you but it's something where it's it's just awful to be stuck in a place that you love but not love it. See, and it's almost like 
we as audience members don't expect creators to change. We change yeah. as people. And you'll see it like you you didn't dress you don't dress the same way you did in middle school. No. You know, you're not the same as you were Thank in middle God. school. <laughs> in middle school I was very much like don't cuss, be nice to everyone. I wore that a tail changed. in middle school. I wore a tail in middle school. Good for you. I, I wore a straight jacket much. in middle school. Like I just did what the fuck ever. Um <laughs> But it's almost like we don't expect creators to change either. And yeah. not change their art. And I think art kind of resembles life in that way that it, it changes. It molds. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like it's going to a supermarket like that you know sells pineapples. And you're like, I, if I want a pineapple, I go to this supermarket. But if the supermarket stops carrying pineapples and like starts carrying oranges and said, like, somebody else out there wants an orange, but you're upset because you wanted a pineapple. And that's where you go for pineapples. And right. you don't know where else to get pineapples. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's kind of having this reliable source and then the reliable source lets go to provide for somebody else and it hurts that that's not you. I really want a pineapple right now. <laughs> Mood. But then, <laughs> please, after please. Please. <laughs> please. <laughs> but then you think about the person who runs the marketplace and no one, ever, none of the shoppers ever think about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Ever think about what they want to sell. Mm. And that's really why I'm making this episode because no one oftentimes thinks about what the creator wants mm-hmm. and as a creator I find that frustrating that I see that happening yeah in English class we did a poetry unit and the English teacher's advice was literally don't think about the poet what the poet would say about the poetry think about what you say about the poetry it is up to you to define this poetry it doesn't matter what the poet thinks and like that's the way every single English teacher teaches poetry is don't care about what they think think about how you interpret it and how you apply it to your life which like it works but also like some really famous poets have killed themselves and like that's why because Mm -hmm. everybody's that's true you know it's like you're not listened to about your own art because you're taught that once you make that art you don't exist Mm -hmm. You can put, you can keep your name on it. Like they'll keep a watermark on it, but nobody's gonna think, why did they make that? You yeah. know, it's always they made that. Good job. Mm. It's like you lose rights to your own work when it becomes published into the world. Yeah, we have all these copyright laws, but they don't apply to your feelings. They don't apply to thoughts either. How someone thinks of your art. Yeah. And you were talking about like how you'll like spend a long time on a song that you really like enjoy mm-hmm. and then they don't like it that much yeah how does that like make you feel as a creator i don't care really i really don't care why because i don't make music for people i make music for me that's a great way to think about it yeah, yeah that seems pretty out there with like your other points but like if you think about it that way where it's kind of like instead of thinking about like all of your like nervousness i yeah. kind of you know, assumed, like, it applied to, like, how people think about it, but you're the people that think about it, you know? Yeah. I mean... You're the people. <laughs> th- th- those are default emotions, nervousness yeah. and yeah. anxiety due to, like, you putting yourself out there, but sometimes you just gotta, like, in my in my position, sometimes I just have to stop and think about, like, honestly, I could not give a single fuck about what anyone else thinks about what I want to write or about mm-hmm. what I want to say. So, so yeah. did you always have that mindset, or did you have to train yourself? I did not always have that mindset. I was a very, I always wanted, I was a very people-pleasing person. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't. That doesn't mean I necess- that, that, uh, that doesn't mean that people necessarily like me, but you know, I tried to, you know, appease to the masses as much as I possibly could. Mm-hmm. And then I got to middle school. Admittedly, I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a radical dude in middle school, <laughs> in the sense that I was a very emotional and angry person. Mm-hmm. So I was very aggressive towards anybody that wanted to step on my beliefs or step on stuff that I made or step on stuff that. <laughs> anything I, I, right. I'd, be like, I'd be like fuck you I don't care and then right. like, just walk off yeah but yeah I guess like to some degree I still hold on to that yeah but, you know so you kind of have to fight it a little bit I have to, I have to fight it I get you mm-hmm. so now we're going to go in the sad part of this episode and that is what is the worst comment you've ever gotten on your art well, actually, I didn't share my favorite comment I've gotten on my art yes. so there was a moment where um, I was like first or second year on my YouTube channel, and this woman, this like middle-aged woman, had a, had kids, everything, commented on my stuff, and she said, "I can see you being like a public speaker, a great like content creator, and that like all of this stuff is gonna happen for you. I just know it's gonna happen for you." And sent me this big long paragraph about how she loved my stuff, and to someone who didn't have a lot of subscribers at the time, no one. I didn't think anyone was really, like, paying attention to my stuff, really. I mean, but she did, and that was the one comment that sticks out to me because she just took the time, and the message was huge and all that stuff. And I remember just feeling really good about it. I don't know mm-hmm. how else to describe it. It was it was a very good feeling, though. That's so nice. I didn't share mine. Oh, you didn't share yours <laughs> no. either? Let's hear yours. <laughs> um... I keep mine in the back of my phone case, actually, and I hope that's not creepy. No, it's not creepy. But I made a... um, I did research over every person uh, that has ever died in an American school shooting. Oh, yes. And I hung that up in the halls. Um, And so, like, I saw all of these people, like, reading it during the walkout, and I saw all these people crying over it. Um, But, like, while we were doing the walkout, which the poster was hung up, it was 50 feet in the hallway leading to the door um when I came back from the walkout my English teacher um uh she had come into my art classroom where I had left from in the middle of class because that's when the walkout was um and she left me a note and a button and it says um a small token for a huge action um heart Silligan. Um, and so she left me, um, we did empathy buttons, and that is the first empathy button that I ever got, and it's the only one that I kept. Um, wow. And so she left, she left her class in the middle of class to come put that on my desk while I was gone. Um, and apparently she had showed all of the news about me to her class during the walkout for the people that didn't walk out. Um, and I was just, I was just so touched. It's, That's I keep really it in the back cool. of my phone case. That's really cool. So yeah. how did that make you feel? I'm going to assume good. Yeah, so good. I was, like, crying texting my mom about it just because, like, it meant a lot. It had been, like, a week of, like, constant work and, like, a lot of struggle, you know. Um, And then, like, Miss Silligan's thoughts and feelings matter a lot to me. She's, like, one of my major role models. Mm -hmm. And then she, you know, did that really nice thing for me. And, you know, it was kind of this thing of, like, I want to keep doing that forever. And I want that to keep going on. Yeah. So, the next question... Sad part. <laughs> yeah, this is the sad part. What is, like, the worst criticism you've gotten on your work? Mm-hmm. Uh, the if wor- you want to think back to those dark times. Well, <laughs> the worst thing that I ever really heard... This probably sounds stupid. It, and it wasn't even criticism. Mm-hmm. It was 
in their mind it was a compliment. Mm -hmm. So I was performing with one of my former bands that most of the band members I do not talk to anymore because we are not on good terms at all. (laughs) And the people listening, y'all know who you are. Stay away (laughs) from my family. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hot tea. Uh, (laughs) um, But I was performing, right? And at that point in time, I was like, the lead singer I was like almost a front man kind of but there was like multiple front people Mm -hmm. um and I was told by someone in the audience that came up to me a day or two later when I was at a cafe they said oh my god your your singing voice you sound like Damon Albarn and I was like if you don't know to all those who don't know who Damon Albarn is which is probably not many of you uh Damon Albarn was a front man for Blur he's also responsible for acts such as the Gorillas and he sings as 2D in the Gorillas and all that kind of stuff. I wow. love his work. One of my favorite artists ever. But hearing that, like, you know, you sound like this person, you sound like that person, the idea of comparisons, I don't sound like me, oh, yeah. that crushed me for whatever reason. But I was like, you know what? I didn't feel like me. I felt like just a, a 50-year-old man, yeah. <laughs> 50-year-old br- white British dude just, like, sitting in a cafe being like, oh, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Delaney? Most of mine are also ones that were meant to be compliments, Mm. you know? Um, So, like, um, a lot of stuff is from my dad because he doesn't know really how to give compliments. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, um, like, with every art piece that I show to him, it's this kind of thing of, well, what is that? You know, like, how how do you think you could have done that better? You know, and it's kind of this thing where, like, they're trying to encourage you to get better. Um, but that's, like, the worst kind of criticism is the one where they're being patronizing. You know, where it's not kind of like, you put in all of this work, I'm proud of you. But I think, like, that you could have made it better, but I'm, like, you did a good job. You know, the worst kind is, like, this kind of, like, well, you could have. You know, especially, like, it's it takes this thing that's, like, you're so proud of, and the, it's, like, you know, it's this great thing that you did, and then it kind of takes it, and it throws it in the trash, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, for me personally, I have been called a fucking worm oh. by an anonymous person on YouTube, because I posted a video talking about Christianity and LGBTQ+, mm-hmm. saying that I was a Christian, that I believed that they were totally fine that it wasn't a sin but also I I have been in theater and in the arts in that way been can not necessarily been compared I've been pigeonholed that's my biggest thing Mm -hmm. like for example I'll be in a show and the director or someone will say you were only cast to sing Mm -hmm. which if you don't know Singers, although they work very hard, a lot of times you're born with a certain ability, which you can excel in and you can work harder to be better, of course. But, like, for me personally, I know that I was kind of born being able to sing. And so it's kind of like someone saying, wow, you're amazing and I only chose you because you have brown hair. So now in every show that you're in, I'm only casting because you have brown hair. You're such a good breather. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. So that's probably the worst I've been given. And also with the podcast, like with my last episode, mm-hmm. someone told me it was stupid and told me why it was stupid. And so that kind of stuff. And so my next question would be, 
can criticism hurt someone's artistic ability? Whether it's mean criticism or nice criticism, what do you think? As long as it's not an attack... Okay, I, I gotta get closer. <laughs> as long as it's not like an attack on your character, then I don't really think that there's much like, you know, um, like constructive criticism. There, there ain't really much that constructive criticism can do to like hurt you or cripple you creatively so long as you know it stays constructive now if they just want to bring you down just for the sake of being critical and being like ah, oh, you know like oh this sucks blah 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 you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um it just i don't know yeah um <laughs> i feel like there's this thing where you have to live up to somebody's advice like if they said it to you you kind of feel like that's a rule you live by now because Mm -hmm. everybody knows they said it to you especially if it's online yeah everybody can see that comment even though nobody cares to look at the comments like if they do you know whatever they don't matter but like most people don't come to check what do people think about what you did you know Mm -hmm. so um but you still feel like everybody read that comment and everybody's thinking, well, now they know that they can't use that color in their videos, you know, it just doesn't fit their skin tone, you know, mm. something like that. Um, like, you see those comments and then you kind of think, well, that's a rule now. And so, um, at times it can be really nice, like, oh, I didn't know that I could fix, like, the ISO settings to make this look better. Um, but at other times it can kind of be like, if you get enough of it, there are so many rules that you just can't create in peace anymore. Yeah. I feel like there comes a point where criticism goes too far because then it's, it looks completely different than what you want. Yeah. And I am a believer in controversial art, which I kind of said before. And so for me, it's hard because in a way I feel obligated because we're always told that you're supposed to listen to criticism. That you're uh-huh. supposed to listen to feedback, and if you don't change, you're arrogant. Mm. But I don't think that's always the case, because I think sometimes you want to keep your arts intact, and I feel like sometimes criticism changes that. Yeah. And so what do you guys think about that? Should there be a balance between listening to your fans and doing what you want to do? Like, where do you draw the line? Absolutely. There should be, like... Separation, like one, um, so I edit, mm-hmm. you know, um, like I edit for like the entire senior class, um, so I do a lot of editing, and um, my mom edits my stuff because you know she's the only one that offers to. So one of the greatest things I learned from my mom about editing is, if you think I have a point, change it. If you think I don't, don't. You I know agree. because like, um, they can edit it to be this perfect morsel. But it loses you. Mm-hmm. Like, when you're trying to, like, use the cookie cutter on the dough that you've made, eventually, like, all the parts that had you in it, they get cut out. Right. Um, so if it comes to this point where you need to look at the criticism critically, and you need to think, does this, is this going to produce something that I'm going to feel like is me? Mm-hmm. Is this helpful? You know? Um, which is, like... A crappy school poster but you know is it helpful is it useful yeah um you know it's just thinking does this help me or should I forget it Blake what do you think well I guess it just really depends on like um who's consuming your stuff who's consuming your content or this or that for sure 
you should always want to create the things that you would want to, you know, create, you know, make, make stuff you want to make. Uh, I think that just goes without saying because if the creator is, you know, you know, living and creating for, you know, a whole group of people for like their needs, their standards, and it would just be chaos, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's borderline impossible to do that from like what I've, uh, what I've, what I know and what I experience, and I know I'm being very fake, <laughs> but yeah, um, I definitely. I pretty much disagree with everything that Delaney said. <laughs> you disagree? With I, I, I agree. <laughs> oh, I thought you said you disagree with yeah. everything Delaney said. I was like, okay. You got beef? Yeah. We yeah. like disagree. That's here. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think you need to just keep art intact. And I feel like that's what's missing. And I feel like audience members... I love how I say audience members. That's <laughs> such a theater thing to say. <laughs> I feel like viewers and listeners and My people... My fans. Oh, <laughs> and people who watch things and don't understand that we have to keep our art the way that we want it to as well. Mm. And honestly, I think what we think about our art is more important than what other people think of it. So when yeah. I ask about a balance, in a way I kind of think... It should be skewed to the creator. Mm-hmm. Again, that's just my opinion, though. And I know that other people would argue that there should be a complete balance. I just don't know if it should be complete. Because I think, ultimately, you're making what you're making. And I think that should be you. Mm-hmm. I think that like at the end of your life, the art that you're going to be creating, you know it's going to be very representative of your, of your personality. And that doesn't mean that it's skewed more on your side. It means that you take what's... You take that balance and you decide if it's you to skew more towards the people or if it's you to skew more towards yourself. So I think that overall, it's like... Even if you skew towards what other people want of you, that's you. Like, if you're a sellout you as a person are a sellout like Mm -hmm. that's not bad or anything that's just who you are if that's the art you want to make is something that other people want to see yeah Blake I'm seeing a lot of nods (laughs) I I just agree dog (laughs) (laughs) all right I've been dogged that's it for this episode of holy human I hope you enjoyed it Blake and Delaney, where can they find your content if they want to look at what you do? On most social media platforms, I'm at Pyromantic or D-E-L-A-N-E-Y-A-M-S-L-E-R. And Blake, how about you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at b.g.thompson. Uh, feel free to DM me. Uh, I like to plug into groups I'm in because I feel wonderful people. Uh, preppy hippie. And I love them. Uh, and Teen Drift. Love them. Awesome. And so all of those links will be in the description if you want to check them out. Also, if you want to talk to me about topics for my podcast or if you want to be on the podcast, you can email me at elissamodlinenquiries at gmail.com. You can also find me on LinkedIn at Elissa Maudlin. If you want to connect with me and talk to me, I would love to talk to you. And that's it for this episode of Holy Human. And I hope you stay tuned in the next few weeks for the upcoming episode of Holy Human. Thanks. The podcast you just heard was published with Anchor. Got something you want to say to the creator of this show? 
send them a voice message using the Anchor app, free for iOS and Android.